Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after show entertainment. Very good, The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Menounos and Bing.com and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's American Horror Story After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424-256-1729. That's 424 424- Two five six seventeen twenty nine, and now another post game wrap up show for your favorite TV show. It's After Buzz TV's American Horror Story After Show. Hello, hello, welcome to another American Horror Story Asylum After Show. Ooh, gotta love the music. Um. We're going to go ahead and break down tonight's episode, but first, Bing is for doing, and we are here doing another amazing show for you. I'm Stephen Lemieux, your host tonight, and joined with me tonight is... Jackie Baraski. All right, and we're going to go ahead and jump right into this, so let's... Um, I just want to quickly mention, we have two people missing for iTunes listeners. I think there was some confusion. Oh, yes. Uh, Tonight, uh, there was a little bit of confusion with, of course, Hurricane Sandy knocked some shows out, and we had a little bit of confusion with the studio here where which shows were airing, which shows were going to be delayed. And uh, tonight we actually are missing our Dave Scifaliti and we're missing our J.C. Rubio. So it is just me and Jackie. But they will be back next week. I know you guys love them. I just wanted to clarify because I know sometimes on iTunes you can't hear them and then it'll sound like they're missing for no reason. Well, it just sounds like they're here but just staring at us like without (laughs) saying anything. (laughs) But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, jumping right into it, the we'll we'll start with the beginning of the show because there's a, a small running storyline going in through the very beginning with the Adam Levine and the woman character. And uh, Ryan Murphy has actually said in an interview that this uh, narrative between the two lovers is going to continue. Not, maybe not necessarily with them explicitly, but there will always be a modern time and then a flashback time. Yes. So. Um, I know I wasn't sure watching it in the beginning whether or not that was going to continue, but it will be threaded throughout the whole series. Well, it was it was it was a cool. I'm glad that they actually did something with the beginning that was more interesting than just them running away from the guy, right. and no, getting I stabbed, and running agree. away. And uh, I actually wrote down we got some a little bit of information on the beginning. Uh, let's go ahead and where is it? Okay, so the the girl stabs John. John is the bloody face who goes after them into the room and uh, tries to take them out. So that's John, and John is now dead. Um, Cooper is the skittish guy, the one who is like, holy crap, you just shot them. Mm-hmm. So yes, Adam Levine gets shot through the head, and then the girl gets shot as well. And it looks like they're kind of playing on the whole bloody face um, uh, curse rumor thing, 
to rob uh, Briarcliff Manor. I said this actually reminded me of Scream, and you know what? That makes me think of Vivi, of an even further kind of like mimic to it because Scream always has copycat killers. Mm-hmm. And so, while I do think there is an element of the supernatural because there seems to be an actual bloody face versus a lot of mimic but bloody faces, copycat bloody faces. Mm-hmm. So I think that to me it kind of reminds me of that, and it also reminds me of Scream. I was saying in the fact that you. Like Adam Levine seems to be indestructible. Yeah, his his <laughs> arm was torn off at least like five minutes or a few minutes prior. He was stabbed in the chest in the last episode, and he just keeps going. Well, no, he was stabbed in the chest this episode. Oh, he was stabbed in the chest. Yeah, they they just replayed the footage of John as Bloodyface stabbing him in the chest over and over again, and then randomly he is at full strength tackling John and kicking the knife away and everything. I mean, he's kind of uh, there comes a point when you're out of blood, and I think he. <laughs> He should be out of blood. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see where they go with that because now we have, holy crap, his arm was just ripped off. How did that happen? And then they hear a noise and they see the real bloody face. And that's where we leave off with our present day uh, Briarcliff Manor. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we do, of course, the opening sequence. that's always creepy and crazy and sets the mood for the rest of the episode. And then we jump into a little bit of Mary Eunice. Yes. And Mary Eunice is really like the the deity of destruction in this episode. She's really... Well, she's, she's pretty much... I think she's like a... She's a Satan. Loki. Yeah, she's... Oh, Loki, yeah. She's, she's Loki this episode. She yes. is creating... She's creating havoc and she is creating catastrophe amidst this nor'eastern storm because... It can happen because there's not much, no one's paying attention to her. Like you, you have. They're really not paying attention to her because I would think you would think that um, a lot of her behavior is so uncharacteristic of her that I would think that somebody would notice, even somebody like even people that have been like working with her in close quarters, and nobody seems to notice how bizarre until Doctor Arden later on. Well, everyone, everyone who's in the room who is always like has a close relationship with uh, Eunice, she is not in the same room with both of them. So she has a close relationship with Arden, and she has mm-hmm. a close relationship with Jude, but she is not so much close with any of the uh, any of the people, like the guard who I wrote his name down, uh, Frank. Frank's the, the main guard, and uh, not really the inmates either. So they don't really notice too much of a change when she enters the room and announces, we're doing movie night tonight, and has this whole thing like, some of you will stand still in fear, and some of you will go crazy, so we're going to get you all in a dark room together to see a movie about fire, flames, and sex. And nobody really notices it because they don't know her too well. Right. But then she really like plants the, the seed of betrayal in Arden and Jude's mind, but they, Arden just thinks that she is tainted by this place, mm-hmm. and Jude thinks that she knows about the, she knows about the girl. Right. And the newspaper, and it, I, I believe it was Eunice. It was definitely Eunice who, put, who brought the newspaper in. Oh, uh, undoubtedly. Yeah, because she is, she is possessed, and she knows everything. However, this is interesting. There was something I read in an article that suggested that maybe Eunice is the missing girl. Because um, we don't know if the girl actually died or not. We, it just says she's missing, right? I don't think so. I don't think she's the missing girl. You don't girl. think she's the missing yeah, girl? Yeah, I just... I, don't think that well let's see the girl how old do you think the girl looked um probably like 12 12 and it was in 1949 so this is how many 
the paper, the newspaper said 1949, and now we're. Oh. Well, here, here's an interesting thing that I, I kind of... I can't do math. <laughs> math. It is not our strong suit here at After Buzz. But I don't believe... Okay, so Jude's calling was in 1949. Jude, that, is when, that is when she said, in 1949, Jesus Christ called you and made you give up your earthly, your earthly uh, alcohol, basically, your, your vice. Right. And um, I don't believe that that is when the accident happened. I think the accident happened within at least a past month. I think that it's very, very recent. And Jude... But on the newspaper, didn't it say missing girl and then the date of the newspaper was 1949? Did it? I didn't catch that. I didn't catch the date. I was obsessed. Here, Here is why, though, because I was obsessed with looking at the date. Only because of what we mentioned um, in the last episode about when mm-hmm. is it. So I really think the newspaper title said, and again, tweet us, call us in if you know for sure. But I think the title said, you know, Girl Goes Missing, blah, 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 1949. Okay. It was date in 1949. So I think that the implication is that was the catalyst for that, The cool. her changing her uh, life around. If the, if the newspaper did say that, then then yes, my point is kind of mute. But if it didn't it moot. Right. If 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 it didn't say that though, I kinda it feels like it feels like Sister Jude is still was still doing that. Mm-hmm. Is still going out and trying to get get guys. Because they, he still called her a whore, like last episode. I think though I think that's just speaking to her own because I think you can repress something for a long time. And this happens to people this is a reflection of people who are real like actual addicts. They and with nothing supernatural going on, they can have relapses. Yes. So, and I think that for her, she maybe had a sex addiction. She obviously had an alcohol addiction. And so I think a lot of that is the characters playing up to her own psychology of her own levels of self-worth, where she doesn't, she feels like a whore and it's manifesting because I think that the asylum manifests these fears for these people. Well, if the girl did get hit in 1949, then there is a good case for her being Eunice. Because it is now 1964, that's 15 years later, if the girl was about 14. That is about 30-ish. That's where Eunice is, we're looking at her right now. That's where I see her right now. But, uh, so, they they plant this, Eunice plants the seed of betrayal into, um, into Jude's mind by having Ravish Me Red lipstick. Mm-hmm. And saying that Arden is the one who gave it to me to give to you. Mm-hmm. So, Arden is trying to, she's, she's trying to make Arden look like he's laughing in the face of Jude, basically. Right. I think she's actually, as the devil character, I think what she's trying to do is she's trying to get the two biggest forces in this hospital to fight each other. Yes. So she's going from one to the other to incite um, incite anger towards each other. And the storm's going on, so nobody's going to really notice because everyone's in packed in t- space. Right. Everyone's packed in watching uh, a movie that is the terribly, of the cross. terribly inappropriate. Side note about the side of the cross. Um... So it was about uh, it was about Romans who were blaming Christians for the burning of Rome, mm-hmm. and then one of the main characters falls in love with one of the Christians, um, and eventually this character goes in to die with the Christians, and so there's like mass death, and they're being like eaten by animals, and there's a lot of like sexuality in it, and apparently like the Empress bathes in uh, donkey milk, I think. In one of the scenes, so right. it was, yeah, it was bizarrely, it was, and it, this is pre-code Hollywood, so they could get away with a lot, 
and they were it was like not even thinly veiled as like oh this is religious so we can kind of sell it but it's really just sexy so yeah um i have a hard time believing that sister jude or uh that first off that she would be able to get the okay from the archdiocese or whatever it is to show this movie because the church does not like this movie it's been said historically i feel i feel that this was also eunice yes i feel okay. that eunice suggested the movie okay. said that it was approved by the archdiocese or something and because i mean looking at the title a sign of the cross it, it sounds, it sounds very it sounds christian it sounds something that they'd have at a christian right it sounds very pg right and and when she describes it when uh jude describes it she's not describing a movie like that she's describing uh, you know, Christian values and right. everything. But when when Eunice describes it, she definitely, she knows what it is. Right. So she's definitely seen it. She knows what it is. And she is kind of tormenting the 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 inmates with it. So if Jude doesn't know its content, then then I absolutely agree with you. I, I see, I see where that's going. Yeah. And, but, uh, so, so after Jude kind of confronts, she, she's kind of losing her wits. And right. this is this is this is our first topic, kind of where Jude's uh, Jude's downward spiral towards her own self destruction, which she doesn't really be dest- she's not destroyed at the end of this episode, but she's she's fairly uh, unkempt. Right. Um. She she confronts Arden. He doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. First of all, what newspaper? Mm-hmm. And then he kind of throws it in her face when he's just like, maybe you should take a leave of absence. And that was a really powerful line because her whole her fears her base fear is that he's trying to take over Briarcliff Manor. He's trying to gain the most influence and get her out of there. I think, though, when you think of it, her I I I think about her power struggle, and I actually I actually have some sympathy for her power struggle only because I feel first off the the series has highlighted that it's quote unquote hard to be a woman in the 60s. So she's already feeling we know from her past she's feeling degraded and we know in this position it's uh it's rare for a woman to to have this position of power at this time. And so I think that there's an element of that, but there's also an element of someone who had such a terrible past was able to overcome it. And so now she's kind of struggling for power for power's sake at this point, because she's just, that's the only thing she has. The only thing she has is this asylum. The only thing she has is leading it. And then I feel that she probably thinks that it seems like she's hit the glass ceiling Yeah, and she's trying to hold on to it as hard as she can mm-hmm. at no matter what risk Right. To whatever happens. Right. So she she kind of is becoming a little bit disturbed at this point. Um, we have a lot of animosity towards Arden, of course. Right. And then Eunice is just kind of perpetuating that. And then she goes back to her office and gets a phone call. And the phone call is, you just left me there. You didn't even get out of your car to see me. So this kind of drives her a little bit over the edge. She turns around and the glasses are there. And that kind of... Puts her back on track with alcohol. Mm-hmm. Turn in your turn in your AA chip, Sister Mary Jude. Your or Sister Jude, you're you're done. And Eunice shoved it in front of her face when she brought that alcohol in. She was yeah. like drinking it, handing it to her. So basically, this is the devil tempting her. Mm-hmm. And it's it's it's. I do like the writing in in the aspect of Sister Mary Eunice becoming the one who is possessed. Yes, because she because is. She was the most innocent. Well, she's the most innocent, but that's not it. It's because she's closest to both sides. Right. 
and she knows the secrets of both sides. Plus, she already she, now that she's possessed, she knows everything. So she is the she is the walking embodiment of dramatic irony mm-hmm. because she knows everything. Mm-hmm. She's what the audience wants to know. The audience wants to pick Eunice's brain because she, they know they're not going to get it from Jude. They know they're not going to get it from Arden. Arden. Arden gives up just a little bit, and we'll go into that a little bit later. But uh, so Jude gets completely wasted, and she gives a whole speech about um, Christianity, about how the storm is the storm is only the beginning, but after the storm comes silver veils and heaven, and and it kind of seemed very likeness to life. Life is a storm, and at the end of the storm of life comes the silver veils, and then... Are you referencing her speech, or are you referencing that song that she was quoting? Well, she was was quoting the song and moving her own words into it as well. Oh, okay. This was before the movie, like when she's announcing the movie. Sorry, I was thinking about the the carousel song, but that's later. Yeah, and uh, she she, kind of, she's wasted. Right. She's straight up wasted, like right. Halloween wasted. And Jessica Lange plays wasted great. I yeah. mean, I just, <laughs> I, she is so flawless as me, to me as an actress. I, you, she, and I mean, maybe people like more subtle actresses. I, I like very character actresses, and she's mm-hmm. clearly a big character actress. And she was just so, some people play drunk to the point where you're like, oh, I don't know. But I was like, I believed every minute of it. She reminds me of, in this scene, she reminds me of Meryl Streep from Death Becomes Her. Yes! She is, she is totally, Yes. she is the embodiment, she is the embodiment of being completely upright and proper, and then Mm -hmm. she's losing her, pardon my friend, she's losing her S. Right. And it's, it's a very, it's a very good parallel with that movie. And she ends up kind of falling into her thinking about the girl thinking about that mm-hmm. and ends with talks of not rain not wind but altogether else and she's speaking of the car but it, it's kind of a uh, parallel to what else is happening in the show with the right. monsters and everything because it's not it's not the wind and it's not the rain that's going to kill the inmates sister mary Eunice is the one that's going to kill the inmates the the monsters are going to kill the inmates and do we see jude I, this is just a question sorry did we see jude after she Meets up with that unexpected guest at the end. Um, because I don't think we did. We see her with Eunice telling her that she has to go out and. Um, are you talking about the alien? Oh yeah, give, yeah. I'm sorry. This is, <laughs> I mean, we're assuming that you've watched the show, but yes. I just want to clarify because I think yeah, we do because uh, Un- Mary Eunice comes in. And um, basically tells her um, tells her that there's trouble and that she has to handle it. And she's, so she's asleep. Yeah, and she's, she's asleep after the alien. Yes, and she's basically asking her, uh, kind of like stumblingly asking her. Trying, I think it, it was implied that she's asking her if she saw what she saw. Mm-hmm. And um, and then she kind of forgets it and moves on. Yeah, that's. But yeah, she was passed out. But she was really drunk, wandering the halls, looking for the Spanish woman. Right. And the Spanish woman was an interesting character, because you don't really see her much before this. And she is, of course, um, they do lay into the, the, there is a very large Catholic following with among the Hispanic population. Right. So, of course, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, history between detecting curses and things like that so she has the rosary she immediately knows who Eunice is she immediately knows that Eunice is possessed oh right yes she shows no point in hiding it so that's why Eunice needed to take care of her somewhat immediately I think though for 
for me, I didn't love this episode as much, and I know I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I didn't love this episode <laughs> as much as the last episode. And I think it has to do with um, the kind of levels of horror and suspense. Clearly, this season has tons of horror, but... Um, the thing I love about this genre is the levels of suspense as well. And I think that this character's story was so interesting with the fact that you have her knowing that um, Sister Eunice is the devil, basically. Mm -hmm. And then she gets killed off. And I understand why she had to be killed off, but it's I almost feel her story was shortchanged. I mm. feel it was cheated. And I would have liked to have seen more of her. And I would have liked to have seen more of that interaction. Or if she goes and tells the other inmates what's going on, maybe, um, or maybe even one other person. I think that um, that level of containment made the story kind of too neat and a little bit less suspenseful for me. Well, the, yeah, this episode wasn't wasn't too much about suspense. It, it seemed like they kind of they kind of dropped that, but they did have a lot of character development in this episode. That's true. They had a. True. S load of character development yes. in this episode. You find a lot about Arden. You find out a lot about Eunice. You find out a lot about Jude's past a little bit more. Um, you even get into Threadson a lot. We had uh, Threadson's kind of an interesting character because he's he's playing his political. I mean, I say political not in the term of what we were talking about on previous episodes, but more like he's trying to po the politics of the community that they're yeah, in. yeah the politics of the community that they're in through Briarcliff and through. Uh, the government of what's going on with mm -hmm. the murders and everything. So Threadson's been kind of an interesting character because he's he's a sympathizing force with even the inmates, or I guess I call them inmates, but they're patients. Right. If they're kind of intertwined, they seem like inmates. interchangeable here. <laughs> um, and Threadson's been. Lana comes up to Threadson and mm -hmm. hands him a note. We're talking about Doctor Oliver. Doctor Oliver Threadson, yes. Okay. Yes. Sorry, I call him Doctor Oliver, and then okay, yeah, got and it. he uh, and he says. He, he has this great moment there where he says, for me to give this note to Wendy would be betraying Sister Jude. And then he smiles as he puts it in his coat pocket. But see here, that also I think that had to be, he's really smart about his environment, who's around him, um, mm -hmm. what's going on around him. And I think he almost vocally had to say that out loud. So if anybody was observing this conversation, yeah. they would observe him being the, being the correct doctor and denying her request. But we saw him slip that him slip that letter in. Yeah, so, like he's confiscating it. Right. So I think that um, I think that that just shows to me it showed his level of intelligence about what's going on around him. Yeah, he's he's a, he's a very I, I I'm kind of biased because I really like Zachary Quinto. I really like I'm, him too. I'm a big fan of Zachary Quinto. I really Quinto. like him too, and I think I'm so happy he got a bigger part this season. I think that they're really using him to his advantage. Yeah, definitely, and he's. He he's an interesting character because he does not like he's kind of stuck there, and yeah. they don't like him because he is the the authority doesn't like him the authority doesn't yeah. like him and Sister Jude doesn't like him. I he hasn't had too many disagreements with Arden yet, and I feel that's yeah. coming. I feel that's coming too. That's definitely coming. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so Jude kind of ends up down that road. I kind of want to get into a little bit of Arden now because okay. Arden Arden played a huge role in this episode. Definitely. He, you learn a lot about him and he kind of has his own downward spiral to a point because Eunice is his view of complete chastity. Mm -hmm. he, Which he admires. He admires. He he it's like 
guys who only want to date virgin girls because they want to they want to uh, corrupt the virginity. They want to corrupt the woman. Um, here's an interesting point that you bring up that is connected to something I was thinking of as I was watching this, is the idea of the Madonna whore complex, where um, men, some men are, have a psychological, have a psychological problem, I would say it's a problem, where you see some women as Madonnas, like you see them as like the, the virgin, the virtuous, and then you see some women as whores. And he clearly has this kind of like dichotomous issue where where he wants he wants women to either be pure or he wants them to be evil. And usually in this kind of tale, the guy does not want to sleep with the woman who's poor and can only sleep with the women who are not pure, mm-hmm. um, which obviously is not his thing, but I just saw the apex of that when he takes when he takes the red lipstick, the slut lipstick, and he actually puts it on the actual Madonna. Yeah. And so, to me, that was a physical symbol of of his Madonna horror complex. He's basically having them meet and then realizing he can't make them um, he can't reconcile them, and he just tosses it all out. He, he shatters the statue. Right. But that's what he does. He he dresses the whores in ropes and kills them. Right. He Once he's finished, he kills them. Well, we don't know that he kills them yet. That's complete speculation, sorry, but we've seen the but pictures. we are speculating. Yes, we are speculating to a point here, because with this show, there's not much you can do else but speculate. <laughs> but... We have Arden who goes who goes after Kit again, and he reveals a lot with this conversation with Kit. He reveals that uh, there are people who are after him. Um, people have tried to find out his secrets. Like uh, he talks about the KGB. He talks about the uh, the Nietzsche. Uh, he thinks that Kit is a spy at this point because of the technology he has inside of him. He believes that somebody approached Kit, put this into him, and forced him into Arden's uh, area. So to me, this okay. This first off mashes with like the Cold War paranoia of the area by mentioning KGB and then like having the idea of like someone coming in as, as a spy. But it also kind of mimics a historical like Nazi paranoia. Yeah, because he was talking about um, he was talking about how I, I think we're going to find that he is a neo-Nazi. Just, oh, definitely. From just, just from the previews, just and from the previews, from, from the what next he said. Episode. Yeah, and his paranoia about Jewish people, his um, his experiments mimic like the experiments they did on um, on on the victims victims in um, in concentration camps. It's like he. And he has um, somebody else mentioned this actually in an article I was reading. He has an obsession with Aryan women, mm-hmm. the two women that uh, the prostitute that he brought in, and then the and then Shelley, and then um, Shelley, and then Sister Mary Eunice are all blonde. Yeah, they're all they're all of the they're all Aryan very years. fairly Aryan. So I I think that we're definitely going to find out that he's some sort of weird neo-Nazi. And to to delve into that a bit, um, from what he said and that kind of thing, if you know anything about um, some of the... some of the cult... Uh, some of the cult news from back in the World War II times, the era of that, and his age, he seems about he'd be one of the top top physicians or top uh, researchers for World War II Nazi era. Mm-hmm. And if he is... A Nazi, or if he is from the German era, they were Hitler had a whole segment regiment of people who were to study the supernatural and to study into 
demons and hell and things like that. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he is the doctor who there was a, like, if you've ever played Wolfenstein, Wolfenstein is a game that's completely written on this concept of that. These people revive the dead and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Arden is somewhat of a Dr. Frankenstein. And it would make sense that he's using parts of humans to create these monsters that we see. There's three monsters so far that we can tell. And uh, from the end scene, there is the, the shocking end scene. If you, haven't, if you haven't watched the show, this kind of is a big thing. But if you have watched the show, spoiler alert... <laughs> Spoiler alert! And um, Shelley tries to seduce him, and he ends up trying to rape her. But his own inadequacies as a male kind of prevent that, if so to say. And she wakes up missing limbs. Now, here's my question about that scene. Do you think his inadequacies are, A, he can't get it up, B, a small penis, or see something else where maybe he had an experiment done on himself and he's missing part of his penis. No, he's a quick trigger. Okay. He's a quick trigger. She says, uh, oh, did you have a little accident there in your pants? He's a quick trigger. Okay, because I was still like, I don't know. Because then she makes a reference to him being so tall, and then I'm like, maybe it's small penis. Anyway, not that we need to dwell on that. Yeah, and, <laughs> but... Uh, so I definitely see him as being kind of a Dr. Frankenstein using her limbs for creating another monster, per se. So there's, there's a lot going on with that. Um, or feeding them to the other monsters. Yes. Are we going to talk about the other monsters now? Or? Uh, let's go into those a little bit later. But okay. before we go into a little bit more on the monsters and uh, some other little tidbits of information with threats and... Uh, let's go ahead and talk about some iTunes here and how you can find us on iTunes by going to... After Buzz, to, or just searching After Buzz and searching American Horror Story, checking out all our podcasts and rating five stars, you know, you want to, and <laughs> commenting. And we, will de- we, all, we read all the comments. We do read the comments. And no matter how much you hate us or love us, we know you all love us, but <laughs> we, will, we will definitely read them. If you bring up points, we'll try to address those points in our next episode, which is going to be next Thursday at mm-hmm. 7 p.m. At 7 live at AfterBuzzTV.com. And... Also, feel free to check us out on YouTube. We videotape all of our podcasts. We have awesome studios with this nice big TV that says American Horror Story Asylum and nice bright lights. And you get to see Jackie's beautiful face and you get to see my semi-beautiful face. face. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, definitely check us out and uh, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. It really helps us out. And we like to we always like to connect with our fans here. And adding to that, you... um I've talked with some fans who had some very interesting predictions, really fascinating comments. You guys can also call in when we're doing a live show and give, give us your predictions. Yes. Uh, I, I, find, I think that a lot of the viewers would really love to hear them. Some people have some really, really fascinating ideas about yeah. what's going on. And if you don't actually go to AfterBuzz TV all the time uh, or the website, you go to iTunes, um, to tell our podcasters... We, we do this broadcast at 7 p.m. Pacific time mm-hmm. on Thursdays, and you can always call into the show between 7 and 7, 7.45 around there at uh, 424-256-1729. Yes. And we have our lovely engineers in the booth. I think it's Martin right now. Yeah, I believe it's Martin. And he'll be more than happy to answer your halls and patch, patch you through so you can join us on the show, especially when we're missing two of our hosts. Yes. <laughs> we can, we, you can be our substitute host for the day. <laughs> if you're listening now, you're welcome to call in. But, yes. Um, so let's go into uh, 
a little bit of Kit's story and Lana and uh, Shelly and Grace, they all kind of play a part together in this yes, episode. they're the escapees. Um, so Lana still is not trusting of Kit. They, they kind of bring back up the, the escape plan, Kit and uh, Grace. Mm-hmm. They talk about they want, to, they want to do the escape again. When are they – why are you going to do it again? They just punished you for the last one. Well, now is when they least expect it, when they just punished me for the last one. So they plan, their plan is to escape during the movie – and go through the tunnel again because now they somewhat know of the tunnel, but they're going to look for it, something like that. And uh, Lana still is not happy about this. Lana is still believes that Kit is the murderer bloody face. I disagree with that because she um, – we know from earlier in the episode Dr. Oliver basically tells her that Wendy's missing and he thinks something's happened to her. And I think she might have – put two and two together and realize that Kit is probably not bloody face, especially with the amount of sacrifice that he's been doing. Mm-hmm. I actually, I think, I think highly of her. So I think she actually doesn't think that, which is why she, which is why she is so willing this time to help them out. I think that's her kind of, um, that's her way of saying, Hey, I, I'm, I'm starting to believe you now. Yeah, because they do. She does. She does. A, she does get out through the movie after because mm-hmm. Threadson sits down next to her during the movie and says right. he, he he voices his opinions how he doesn't believe that the bloody face has been caught. Right. He basically, in no less words, says, I don't think he was caught and the police will not look into it. Nobody look into it because they have who they believe to be the murderer. Mm-hmm. And that kind of does voice the the suspicion of doubt into her mind. Finally, like seriously, woman, come on. Like, although I said, I said in her defense, <laughs> and she's a character I love. Um, la- in the last episode, I think that I think that if you thought that someone was a cold blooded killer, and that's all the information you had to go on, you'd be terrified. I would be terrified. But now that she's seen other things, I think she's. Um, I think she's amending her ways because he basically uh, took that paddle for Grace. Mm-hmm. He, um, when she wanted to come along, and Grace was like, "No, no, don't let her come," and he was like, "No, she knows, she knows the way. Let's let her come." Well, with Grace us. wanted to kill her. Yeah, um, I'm not so sure that she's an angel. Yeah, that, Grace, JC, Grace is uh, not with you on that. <laughs> wow, I mean that was pretty quick. Like Grace seems like she got out of Paris when she was nine. I'm wondering why her parents. Left when they were nine. Maybe, well, Grace seems like she's maybe 26. Mm-hmm. She was left when she was nine. Maybe that was around, yeah, that's that's around a lot of stuff going down in, in the France area. So, I mean, that that could be, they could could be pretty hardened. But she kind of jumped to killing killing Lana pretty quickly. Yeah, that was bizarre. I I think that she, but I said at the beginning, I think she might be the craziest one there because she's so... She's so understated, and she has nothing surrounding her that I think she'll go from zero to to a hundred. You think she's crazier than Pepper? I definitely think she's crazier than Pepper. Pepper <laughs> wears her crazy. She's just like, "What's up? I'm crazy." And if you look up Pepper, she like does on not look IMDb, like, that. like she does not look like that. Wow. Yeah, the makeup job is so good. There was um, Ryan Murphy. For those of you who hate him, don't do this. But for those of you who like Ryan Murphy, go to his Twitter and he tweeted a picture before after of her makeup. She's um, actually cute. attractive. Yeah, yeah, she's attractive. She's cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, poor 
poor Pepper. Got to be awkward when her boyfriend shows up to set and she's in Pepper makeup. But anyway, that's I'm bes- sure it was the same thing for Charlize <laughs> Theron and Monster. But that's that's beside the point. But yeah, so they escape. They try to leave. Um, I didn't. I didn't like the. Well, Shelly, of course, goes after uh, what's his face. What's his name? Mark. And they, they give, or Carl, no, Carl, Carl, they give Carl a little background yes. here. There's a little. Pants down doctor. Yeah, they. As, mis- I, as I call him in my mis- head. Mr. Beege. <laughs> Mr. Beege is a, is a Marine who fought in Korea. Where did you get that information? Um, because they were, when, when Carl's walking down the alleyway, like, uh-huh. not the alleyway, but the hallway, they're like, Kit says that we can take him. And that's when I believe it was Grace uh-huh. who says, are you sure Carl's a Marine, a Marine, vet, a Marine Corps veteran who fought in Korea? Yeah. So that kind of that's why they didn't try to rush him. And Shelly mm-hmm. kind of took took one for the team. Took one for the team. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was. I actually like. I know this is like weird, but I find Shelly sort of selfless in that. Like, I think she plays up her sexuality a lot more, a lot more than she actually wants to use it. Does yeah, that make sense. Well, especially after after we seen the la- the, the whole scene, scene with Arden yeah. and him. I mean, that was she looked terrified. That was brutal. Yeah, that was that was, that kinda, was just brutal. But so she, finally, they 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 finally get outside and they get through the laundry room. It looked like where mm-hmm. the the door to the tunnel is, and halfway through the tunnel, this kind of annoyed me. Where Kit says, Kit says, if she's not coming now, then. Something happened, and we can't wait anymore because they're going to find we're not in the movie theater. It's like, you guys could not see the secret door in the laundry room. <laughs> what makes you think Shelly, who you didn't tell her where the where, – where, she didn't even tell her where the tunnel is. What makes you think she's following you guys to this secret door that you didn't even know where was? It looks like a labyrinth down there. Not yeah. going to lie. It's not like, an easy place to get around, especially if you need some sort of random guide who clearly knows what's going on. Exactly. It's like, here, yeah. we're going to give her five minutes to find us in this big Briarcliff Manor, a secret door covered up. Okay, sorry. Kid just, just wants, he just wants freedom so bad. He's like, he's like cut our losses. Logic, cut our logic losses. to the wind. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did not like that because it's kind of like. They could have just, they didn't even really need to bring her up. They're like, what about Shelly? They could have just been like, what about Shelly? And it's like, she's, she's, with, she's with Carl. We'll get her out later. Yeah. We, they didn't have, like, we'll wait for her or any of that. Right. But they finally get out. It's torrentially raining. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a lot of rain. Like, I, they were in New York. Like, that was, that was bad. Yeah. And they find the Spanish woman. The Mexican. I thought she was Mexican. Okay, yeah, she was. They call her the Mexican. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's we actually don't know. Yeah, I don't know if they she's Spanish or Mexican. They just call her the Mexican because yes. she spoke Spanish. Yeah, but they find her carcass. I have the sads about that. I just wanted her to last longer. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, she was for for being in one episode. She was an interesting character. See, that's I mean, that's what I felt. We talked about that earlier. Yeah, but, so, so they find her. Um, because everyone knew that she was missing throughout the episode, mm-hmm. of course, because Jude was looking for her. The only one not looking for her was Eunice. Okay. And that was a pretty gory scene. She stabs her right in the neck, like prey, and then pulls her neck back, stabs her in the neck, and then she falls to the floor and then stabs her a few more times. And then just so... Just in case you didn't know she was supposed to be the devil incarnate. Yeah, just in, ju- case. Just in case. If you were wondering. And the next scene you see Eunice, Eunice just with a wheelbarrow with covered in a tarp. Dumping it in the in the area for them to take care of. So anyway, they get out they get out in the rain and 
they are trying to find it. Apparently, it's two miles, a few miles north to get to the road. Mm-hmm. And Grace has had enough of Lana. Grace is right. like, you're done. After we get to the road, we're not sticking with you anymore. And we see Kit at this point look through I the don't, bushes. At this, at this point, I don't understand her level of hostility towards Grace's? Lana. Yeah. Because I feel like... I understand that she was irked with her at the beginning for not wanting to trust Kit, yada, yada, yada. But at, at this point, it's like, she helped you get out. Why are you that level of angry? That, that to me, shows me that there's something else going on with her that we're going to find out that's super cray-cray. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and throw out a real a quick prediction here. Okay. Um, because of the way Grace behaves herself around Kit, and because of the way she is very only keeps to Kit, mm-hmm. she has no reason to. She, right. There's no there's nothing previously that kind of draws her to Kit. I think that Grace is related to the aliens. Oh, or I, maybe she has a crush on Kit. No, I think she's <laughs> either she either wants to kill Kit or she's related to the aliens and trying to get him out again so he can do what they want him to right. do in the beginning. That would be interesting. Yeah. So so Kit looks at the bushes, finds the monsters and they get the F out of there. Right. Because these monsters are eating people, basically. These monsters, which we brought up in the last episode, which a fan told me are actual, it, the name was Melonheads. And um, the folklore is correct for around that area. And there's different versions of it, but basically it's people with like bulbous heads that are, um, that are either like inbred people or the, one of the most prevalent. Um, Stories is that they are they were escaped inmates mm-hmm. that didn't get any food when they escaped. So they um, and because so to survive the harsh winter, they were eating people. They were sponsored by Soylent Green. <laughs> yeah. So this kind of I feel like I feel like the fans, um, our fans who are saying that you guys, I feel like they're right on because it looks to me like they're they could be wearing the inmate blue. Mm-hmm. In, and I can't tell if that's the flashes from the lightning or if that's actually the color of their outfits. And maybe that's uh, you have Dr. Arden mentioning we just need to get them through the winter. Yeah. Indicating that maybe they that's what they do during the winter. There's no food and they eat humans. I just I, I feel like they're bringing that folklore into it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I really am. I'm kind of sold on Arden being a Dr. Frankenstein. Oh, I, I would agree with that like, too. They're I not they're not human. They're they're pieced together from humans, especially stealing stealing Shelly's legs. I feel we're gonna see one of those monsters with Shelly's legs. Just just another but small one. We still one. don't know we still don't know what was in that room that was clawing at the walls. Mm-hmm. Because we um so that could be another Franken that could be a Frankenstein creature in itself, because we don't know what was in that room. That hasn't been brought up again. I think he's making more and more of them. Yeah. You never know. I mean, we counted three. There could be could be many Crazy more. Crazy old Dr. Arden. Um, and then getting a little bit into, uh, let's see, the uh, aliens. They've. I try to avoid the topic of aliens till the end because, uh, granted, I'm not too much of a fan of like the whole alien arc in this in this series. Right. But I feel it could be a little interesting. The way they're doing it is right. Aside from, I didn't like that, and I think you agree with me, I didn't like that they showed us the alien so quickly. Thank you. Like, it kind of like, okay, now we know what it looks like. Now everyone's going to be just waiting to see it again. And you know, you've seen Paranormal Activity, right? Which one? The first one. I haven't seen the other yeah. ones. You know in the first one when uh, you finally see the monster's feet and it looks like dinosaur feet? Yeah. That's that's how I felt. It's like, 
whatever we come up with in our minds, and again, this is threaded through the, this is a theme in the series, whatever we come up with in our minds is going to be scarier than something you can show us because each person has what's individually scary it looked to them. Like, it looked like yeah. Falling Skies. Yeah. It, it looked like the alien from Falling Skies. And those kind of looked those kind of looked lame too. Wah, wah. And that was that was a disappointment. I liked I liked more the aliens being mysterious, s- very very mysterious. And I didn't I didn't so much want to see the alien, but the way they're doing it, other than that, I liked like the whole the whole radio broadcast. The weather tonight is going yes. to be blah 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 blah. The rain stormings, but it's what's suspected to be lightning might not be lightning. It's we have a uh, here's the the radio announcer announces a possible downed aircraft. And as he's announcing this, we have Dr. We have a nice moody shot of Dr. Arden behind his desk with the lipstick of, of a ravishing, ravish me red looking at it while the jar with the spider chip is in it that was taken out of kit. Mm-hmm. And it's jumping around in the jar as the radio announcer is talking about the plane crash or the, the aircraft ca- crash. And that was, that was nice. I liked that because it's kind of like, okay, so there is something going on. With the aliens, it's more than just, there's an alien. <laughs> oh, my God, there's an alien. Oh, Kit. Everybody run. Yeah, they they, adopted, they, they ad, ad-bucked me. <laughs> ad-bucked I just, me. I, I, think that, I think that, again, what I love about the show is the sense of mystery. And I think that when you play too many of your cards at once and you start laying down answers to the mystery, I think that's where we become frustrated because I'm like, no, I want to figure that out. Don't do that. Which is how I felt when they showed the alien. I was like, yeah. I, I was like, no, I want to create what the alien is in my head. But then I think because you mentioned that she had passed out and she was drunk, maybe that still isn't the alien and maybe that's what she thought of as the alien. Although I'm confused as to why Sister Jean no, they, they an sh- alien. No, they basically showed her vision in the movie theater. Yeah. I don't think they were going to just cop out on the alien like that. It's That's the alien. And that's the alien, folks. Poo. Um Poo alien. Yeah, not not a fan. Poolian. Um, what was I going to say? There was one more thing that I wanted to kind of go into a little bit before we wrap it up. Um, but I can't quite remember it. Uh, do you have any favorite lines from the episode? Because I have one favorite line that I absolutely laughed out loud at. Um, my favorite moment was when she is... Um, Quoting the song from Car- Carousel, that's You'll mm-hmm. Never Walk Alone. First off, I hate the musical Carousel. <laughs> I was a house manager, and I saw it over and over and over and over again, and I think it's one of the world's worst musicals. And so, but she, um, but it was, it's a fitting song because it's basically one character sings it to another character as comfort because her husband committed suicide. And so she's kind of using this, like, old school show tune song to make her feel better. And I, I love these little fascinating touches where um, you kind of have to look it up and reference it. Yeah, and they have a lot of those yeah, in this show. I love that. I, I, I do enjoy that. And that's something that people are kinda it's a trend. It's actually a, a, a trend right now with with American pickers, things like that. People like old stuff that they have to kinda 
they get to see a history of. Right. They like fans, seeing they fans, like an item that they have a that has a history behind it. Yeah, fans like to be challenged, I think. And I think that when when fans are challenged and they're given these nuggets of information, the most fun thing to do is to be like, "Oh, what about this? And what about this?" And then that's that's how you ins- get fans and incite fan conversations. Speaking of which, I'm going to post uh, the lyrics on my blog, which you can get to from Twitter mm-hmm. for that, and then I'll post um, I'll post the description of the movie as well because I kind of hackneyed the description. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Um, it's really a complicated movie that has a lot to do with weirdness. But my favorite line, okay. So All right, I'm ready for it. I'm ready I, th- for I think it. I think I'm the audience will agree ready that for it. when Eunice is watching the movie and they interrupt it now. But the Christians are about to be eaten. Which, that was funny, but it's also like, why doesn't anybody around her realize she's being cray-cray? I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Anyway, I think, uh, do you have anything more to add about this episode? Character development, um, kind of little things that we might have missed about the escape or maybe the aliens and the monsters? No, uh, I I have stuff that I want to cover in predictions, but... All right, well, let's move into some news and gossip. AfterBuzz yeah. TV News. All right, so today we have a little bit of news and gossip. Uh, thank you to Jackie Borowski. I did a newslet. She she has her own little newslet, and this is for this is November first, isn't it? Yeah, I happy did Halloween, it wrong. folks! By the way, um, the newslet says November second. Sorry, no, it doesn't. Not that you can read it. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. I was just oh. confirming. But anyway. So apparently, if Mark Mark Consuelos plays uh, Spivey in in uh, the series, and you haven't seen Spivey too much, he's just been he's been a little bit in the background. If you uh, if you don't really recognize him or know what he looks like, feel free to go to the American Horror Story website and look at the character lists, or go to uh, Google and just uh, or go to Bing and type in uh, American Horror Story Asylum Spivey, and you'll see you'll know you'll recognize him. But he's played by Mark Consuelos, and apparently, if he had his choice, he would have shaved his head to play. The mental patient of Spivey, and the idea was kind of mixed. But when Consuelos do- dove into the part, like with his greasy hair and his blackened teeth and scarred face, very aged, like lots of, lots of age with that with that face. You'll you'll know when you look him up. Uh, three episodes in, he's only been seen in a few scenes, but he assures the truth will be revealed about who he is and his background fairly soon. He was very excited. The article said he was very excited to play this character because I think people like to play those. Ah! Reaching across the table for those on iTunes. Um, so this is this is a more sad note. Historic, unprecedented Frankenstorm. All these words were used to describe Hurricane Sandy before she hit the East Coast. Unfortunately, Sandy lived up to those predictions. The devastation in New York, New Jersey, and several other states was astounding. The storm took 55 lives, as far as we know, uh, and initial estimates of damages uh, in the U.S. And initial estimates of damages and losses run in the range of 30 to 50 billion. One way you can help is by donating to the Red Cross. All donations provide shelter, food, and emotional support and other assistance to those affected by the hurricane. Um, You can donate at their website, redcross.org. You can um, call 1-800-RED-CROSS, or you can text the word Red Cross to 90999 to make a donation. All right. Well, that kind of wraps it up for our news and gossip. Let's go ahead and get into some predictions. And now, you're after After Buzz TV. Alright, so our predictions, we're going to have, let's say, let's set the clock on 
about two minutes for predictions. Let's do this. Bam. Let's do this. All right, Jackie, predictions for next three or four episodes. Let's do it. Okay, well, that guy you guys don't like me mentioning, Ryan Murphy, he said that the scariest scene is yet to come. The scariest scenes are yet to come. And he says there's a particularly scary scene between Dr. Oliver and Lena next week Mm. um, that we have to look forward to. And also, I... Like I said, I wasn't too crazy about this episode because it didn't have a lot of that suspense suspense for solving a mystery. But I think that's going to come up. We have a two-parter coming up with Anne Frank. And I love um, I love last year when they brought in Black Dahlia. So mm-hmm. I like it when they bring in historical characters. And I think um, this is going to be interesting uh, to see Dr. Arden's background maybe and if it connects with this. Yes. So I'm, I'm very excited to... To discover the mystery that is next week. Mystery that is next week. All right, and my predictions. Um, I definitely think that Arden was a scientist from the cult division of Hitler's research de- department. I think that he's very, very rich in background with the Nazis because he he's got. I mean, he's got that background. I think we're going to see a lot of Grace in the next episode. I think we're going to find out where Pepper went instead of going to the bathroom. I don't think she went to the bathroom. I think Pepper is smarter than she lets on. And we will be finding out about that in the next episode. I also think that somebody's going to die next episode. No All right. way. That is <laughs> no not going to happen. That doesn't happen here. All right. But that's been our AfterBuzz TV uh, broadcast of American Horror Story Asylum. Definitely go to iTunes and subscribe. Feel free to give us five stars. And we will see you here at the same AfterBuzz time, same AfterBuzz place, AfterBuzz TV, next week. Where can, Where can find we find you? you, Jackie? At 123Jackie underscore B on Twitter. All right, Jackie B. And I am at... Stephen Lemieux, that's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-L-E-M-I-E-U-X. And yes, that is an X. That's crazy, right? Okay, well, that's been our show. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 